A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. This is Naren, your host. The purpose of this podcast is to help dental practice owners create a bigger future, a bigger future in terms of time, money, purpose, and relationship. Today, I'm super excited to have Dr. Mark Costas on the show. For those of you who may not know Dr. Costas, I'm sure all of you do, but just in case you don't, he's the founder and owner of the Horizon Dental Group, and during his career has been able to start, acquire over a dozen successful dental practices during some of the profession's most challenging times. Dr. Costas is also the CEO and founder of the Dental Success Institute, a consulting and coaching company dedicated to helping practice owners maximize profits and bring their practice to the next level by implementing proven processes and systems and lead to exponential growth. His company hosts several events each year, including the annual Dental Success Summit, which features the profession's top speakers and influencers. In addition, Dr. Costas is, international, is the international and number one Amazon bestselling author of the book Pillars of Dental Success and is the host of the popular Dentalpreneur podcast with listeners in over 150 countries. Dr. Costas, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is an honor. Um, I know people listen to you all over the world. I think 60,000 people listen to you every month. Um, just to, um, to, in case some of our listeners don't know who you are, can you kind of take us through your life journey? Who are you? What got you into dentistry? And, and kind of lead us to where we are today. So we kind of get a you know, feel of how you see the world and how you have come so far. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, dentistry wasn't something that was on my radar when I was, when I was a young kid. I have physicians in my family and a handful of dentists, but distant family members. So it wasn't, you know, on my radar. Uh, I was a kid that had, you know, some attention and learning disabilities. I have ADD and, and um, I, w I wasn't a great student. Let's just put it, put it that way. Um, but when I was 16 years old, I, uh, I had a collision with, uh, with a left field fence playing baseball in, uh, in high school. And that led me down the road to being very, very interested in dentistry because I spent a year getting my, my face rebuilt, basically. I had an upper jaw fracture, um, eight and nine were avulsed, and seven and 10 were broken off at the gum line. Six and 11 were, were class two mobility. So um, that year was spent putting my face back together and uh, my smile back together. And I, I learned a lot about um, what a difference dentists and dental specialists can make in somebody's life. And I was hooked from that point on. So because I, I wasn't a great student, uh, it wasn't super easy for me to get into dental school. In fact, it took, uh, it took three years and 21 attempts to get into dental school. I got rejected 20 times to dental school. On the 21st attempt, after three years, I finally got into dental school. Uh, but when I got into dental school, I realized that it wasn't all just being a good test taker. It wasn't all, always about being able to read something out of a book and regurgitate it. Uh, I realized that a big part of success in dentistry was 
working with your hands and being able to communicate effectively with people. And, you know, it was after my second year of dental school that I realized that, oh my gosh, this is, this is the right profession for me because I actually get to talk to and meet with people, build rapport, which is where I excel, not necessarily in the, in the book work. Um, so when I got out, very, very entrepreneurial in, in nature. Um, in fact, the three years when I was trying to get into dental school, I bought my first business. Um, I owned a catering truck, so I learned a lot about business um, during that period of time. I, uh, I ran that business and learned how to read a P&L, how to read a balance sheet, how to manage employees, how to get new business. Um, it developed my thick skin. Now I can be rejected without it hurting my feelings and ruining my day. Uh, that's what you get for owning your own business. And, um, and ever since then, that, that uh, entrepreneurial experience way back then, um, I've just been building business on top of business and just loving it. I, I, I think that this is the best time to be an entrepreneur in the history of the world, and I think it's the best time to be a dentist in the history of the world. So uh, that's, that's, that's where we are today. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more on the fact that I think this is the best time to be alive if you're the kind of person who likes to create things and innovate and do interesting things. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a little bit intimidated. We were talking off air before the, uh, before the intro here, and uh, you are entrenched in, in you know, technology and you're, you're leveraging this, gosh, this new wave of entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurialism. And uh, it's very cool that you can have people that work uh, for you from their homes all over the world. And uh, it, it, you're right. It's just, it's just a great time to be alive, great time great time to own a business. Yeah, I think most of what keeps us down is our old mindsets, our old ways of thinking. And, uh, and um, the good news is when, a, when a two kids you know, decide to start Stripe, they don't know how you're supposed to do credit card processing. So they figure it out using their common sense. So all the yeah. old rules just vanish. Yeah, it's so true. So I mean, yeah, if you have the beginner's mindset where you're not you know, oh, yeah, this is the way it was done, but rather, like, you know, let me figure it out. You know, you can do magic in today's world. It's so true. You know, the, these, the, these old antiquated um, models of dental practice ownership are starting to go away, right? People are using and leveraging technology. People like me that came in with half of an MBA done and, uh, and experience running a catering truck come in and say, okay, I'm not, I'm just going to kind of throw away the old model and do things the way that I see um, are intuitive to me. And that just causes little bits of evolution and a change of mindset and, and tackling things a different way. So I think that that really has a huge amount to do with where we are today and the evolution of the dental business. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you are a dentist or running a truck, you have a customer and the customer has choices why should they choose you? And then once they choose you, why should they stick with you? You know, they have other choices, you know, yeah. as well, right? So I think the fundamentals of business doesn't change, you know? Yeah, business is business is business. You just need to have a better product, a better service, and you need to inform the world that you are there and why you, and why you are better. Right. And then uh, you need to keep reminding them because um, today people forget. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's true. The attention span nowadays, oh my goodness, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's seconds when it, used to be, when it used to be hours and then minutes and now it's literally seconds. You have a couple seconds to get your, your point across or you're just going to be swiped left or, or clicked away. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be talking to you because I don't typically get to talk to entrepreneurs uh, as much as uh, I would like to. So it's really, really nice to talk to somebody. Um, you know, and I think you, you kind of hit it right on the head. Maybe the reason you didn't pass the first 20 times is you are more of an entrepreneur than a test taker. (laughs) It could be, it could be that I'm just not very smart. I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm just stubborn is what I am. Um, I got that. uh, I'm a first generation American. My parents are, are immigrants from the Philippines and they just taught me that you just don't give up. I mean, and, and, uh, what some of the kids nowadays, this new generation, my, my kids included, um, what they consider obstacles and, and what the, the things that they feel they can't overcome. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's sad to me. It's like, gosh, you, you really have to work a little bit harder than that. You have to de- develop a little bit more of a thick skin than that if you're going to, to be successful in life, because that's what it takes. Right. And uh, we both have kids uh, similar ages. So one of the things that I try to teach my kids is, um, you know, they should love the word failure. You know, like they should not, you know, like, because you learn nothing, at least in my case, nothing that ever happened to me that was amazing came from success. They came from failures. Yes. When things don't work out, that's when the insights are. That's when the aha moments are, you know. And That's uh, so true. You know, Tony Robbins says, when we win or we succeed, we party. And when we fail, we ponder. And all the good stuff comes from when you're pondering and trying to figure out how could I have done this better? What could I have done a little bit differently to have, to have had a different result? And uh, yeah, that, that whole notion of what can we learn from this? And nothing really is a failure. It's just an event and, what, and discovering another way that something doesn't work. Um, if, you, if you develop that mindset, you, you really are going to go a lot further in business for sure. Right. I'll share a story. We created something called Doctor's Choice Awards, which is a platform where doctors rate each other. And we said, hey, this should apply to other industries. Mm-hmm. And we tried lawyers and a couple of other industries and it didn't work. Mm. And then we realized, you know, but a lot of times when, you, when things don't work is when you have the insights, like you said, the pondering. And uh, we came up with something called Fans Choice. So we realized, you know, marketing itself is changing. In the old, old days, you had brands, but now you have fans, people who love you. So the idea of fans choice is if you're a business, instead of saying, hey, write a review for me, you say, hey, are you a fan? Why are you a fan? And then if they are a fan, then people can um, you know, um, say why they are a fan, and then you can pamper them because you want to take care of your fans because they will fight for you when you're not around. Sure, yeah. They're the ones who saved Apple when Apple was about to go under. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, so uh, the, I'm sure you've heard of Nike sneakerheads, right? I mean, these people like line up just to get a new shoe that's a limited edition shoe. Yeah, I have, so, I have the book Shoe Dog right here on my desk, which is oh, Phil yeah. Knight. The, uh, it's an amazing story. Yeah, the founder of Nike and all the things that he had to go through. You know, it's funny because speaking of failure, I mean, that guy had no shortage of oh, failures yeah. and obstacles. My gosh. I mean, he's a billionaire now, but he had a rough road and even including it included in that was the death of his son. Right. All the things that he's had to, to overcome in order to, to create Nike. It's crazy. And I often reflect back, you know, Elon Musk's biography was awesome as well. I think back of all the obstacles, you know, uh, that these, that these Titans of industry have had to overcome. And uh, it, it really kind of puts perspective, my little challenges that I have in my business. Um, when, when I reflect on, you know, what the greats have had to overcome. 
Right. And I think if there's one thing that's common for every single one of them, they have stick to witness. They do not give up. Yeah, that's um, so true. And uh, I think Jim, Jim uh, Collins talks about in that book, Good to Great, he says, uh, you know, um, they have that uh, Stockdale paradox. They have this, you know, unbelievable belief in the future, the vision they have. But yeah. at the same time, they're very realistic. They don't yeah. sit in, you know, delusional la-la land, you know. Yeah. They deal with reality. And I think that's that powerful combination, you know. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like we read all the same books. <laughs> <laughs> that hedgehog, that hedgehog uh, concept, concept. Yeah. yeah, that Jim Collins talks about, that, that to me is just a priceless con- con- uh, concept. I, uh, I love that thought, the thought, of, the thought of just kind of marching forward no matter what. Right. And a tip to our listeners, just Google Jim Collins concepts and you'll get a list of tons of videos and, you know, articles about all his concepts. I mean, that guy's a genius. I mean, Jim Collins. He really is. He really is. And, you know, just think about uh, coming back to where we are in this day and age. Think about the access to this type of information that we have now as opposed to when, even when I was a child, when we, were, when we were coming up as entrepreneurs, you had to go to the library to get this kind of information. Now, literally within a split second, you can say Jim Collins on YouTube or Jim Collins in Google and right. get any number of five to 10 minute clips that will give you the gist of all of his books without having to go check out the book, you know, uh, photocopy the pages, highlight them. I mean, literally within seconds, you could get the meat of, of his concepts and be better for it. Right. Um, 20 yeah, years ago, you probably had to go to a conference and pay thousands of dollars. Today, <laughs> two minutes, <laughs> you have like the summary version of like his most important nuggets. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Reduced down to a 30 second soundbite that you exactly. can walk away with. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And I think that's the whole point though, right? Like, I mean, uh, the world is changing and I think you have to notice it. You have to take advantage of it. I mean, even conferences i'm sure in the old days people spent three days going to conferences to learn now they're listening to your podcast and there's like 30 other podcasts and mine and you know so many ways for people to learn it's it's crazy it's amazing yeah it is it is nuts how um how much free content and the the accessibility to it is i i speak a lot at dental schools in fact most of my travel nowadays is to a select handful of conferences and then I have my own conferences that I host but then the rest of the time when I'm on the road I'm speaking at dental schools and although they have a distinct disadvantage in that they will graduate on average with a greater amount of student loan debt than at any other generation in the history of dentistry they also have more access to information more access to um, advanced training free information than at any other generation. So if they apply themselves and they don't bury their heads in the sand and realize that the stakes are high for them because they have to figure out a way to overcome that, uh, those student loans, if they really leverage the information that's out there and take advantage of the technology of the day, uh, they could be wildly successful beyond previous generations. Absolutely. Right. But like you said, there are fundamental lessons, like they have to embrace failure. They have to love learning. I mean, you read books, I read books. I mean, it's just like, you cannot just wait for somebody to come and tell you stuff. You just have to be a voracious learner. That's right. Not just learn from books and other people's experiences, but for you, from your own experience, like, like you said, ponder, you know, reflect. 
say what what happened how can i you know what can i learn from this yeah. even the mindset right some people kind of have this mindset of investment versus expense the minute you see something as an investment you want to get the most out of it i mean think about it you buy a house it's an you know it's an investment you you know you take care of it you rent it's an expense you know a lot of people just they don't take care of it so the same thing with even education the minute you look at education as an investment you're going to get the most out of it so i think mindset is huge too in today's what's your take on mindsets and any interesting mindsets in dentistry that you think uh, like new mindsets versus old mindsets oh jeez there's so many i mean nowadays uh, well, first of all, let me let me let me uh, rewind just a little bit. I I totally agree with you, and the reflection and the pondering is so big. In fact, I think that a mindfulness a, a mindfulness exercise every day, um, mindfulness habits are really important. I take the time in the morning to set aside. I'm an early riser. I usually get up between four thirty and five o'clock every morning, and I set aside you know a good ten minutes for mindfulness that includes gratitude and reflection pondering what what's working what's not um and just quiet quiet reflection and then that goes to um that goes to some form of exercise for a period of time and then i i flex my creative juices i'm either writing the outline for a new podcast or a blog post or a chapter in my book uh, in my new book that's coming out um so i think that that is needs to be in today's day and age with all the distraction and all the noise and all the, all the, the, the white noise that's happening around us. I think that that mindfulness exercise is really, really important. That's something that I I preach daily and uh, I exercise that those, I flex those muscles daily. I think that it's, it's a part of your routine that you really have to, uh, to create if you want to get to the next level in business or in any other um, area of your life, but as far as, as far as mindset set changes and dentistry right now, I think the biggest by far is technology and the digital nature of of dentistry. I mean, what used to be a traditional impression uh, that got sent to a lab and they you know sat down with wax and sprued and stacked porcelain, all that is gone now. Like literally, you have the ability to scan something, email it to the lab, they make it digitally and then send it back to you within days. Or you can do that, all that stuff in your own office. It's crazy. There's the ability to do um, guided surgery very, very easily now. If you have a CT scanner in your office and a 3D printer, you literally take a scan and use, you know, software that's very, very inexpensive or free, you can create this, the stent, the surgical stent in your own office, and anybody can be placing implants now. Um, you can do the same thing for ortho and dentures. It's crazy. So the new mindset is if you, if you embrace this digital, digital revolution, uh, this technological revolution, you know, everything can change for your, for your, uh, your practice. And you know, it's not that we'll never need specialists because we always will, but it, it's, it's interesting to me how much a general dentist can do within the walls of their own office now without having to refer it out. So I think that's a big mindset change. I think another mindset change is that marketing is okay. Marketing is necessary because with, uh, with the evolution of business and the uh, more and more 
dentists moving into major metropolitan areas, you have to differentiate yourself somehow and marketing is okay. And I think it's accepted. And it wasn't too long ago when marketing was looked, looked down upon as unprofessional. So I think that's a big mindset change that's happened over the, the, the last generation here. And I'm glad to be a part of, uh, of where it's evolved to for sure. Yeah. I want to uh, piggyback on some of the points you mentioned. Um, yeah. I think, um, going back to this idea of technology, I mean, technology is a game changer. Like think about it, right? I mean, the Moore's law, the idea is that every 12 to 18 months, you're going to get double the results or double the impact or double the performance for the same price. So that has been going on for 40 years in the chip space, but now it's starting to affect the rest of life. I mean, think about it. Uh, When you combine self-driving cars uh, with the, the kind of networks that Uber is building. I mean, right now, your car is sitting idly in the parking lot for 23 hours and you're paying the insurance, you're paying the parking fee, you're paying everything, right? Mm. Imagine if that car is running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We need one-tenth the cars. So what's <laughs> happening is it's just changing, you know, fundamentally giving 10x impact or 10x more results. I mean, home ownership, you know, people don't like the younger generation, like I, I talked to 20, 30 year olds. I mean, many of them are not interested in owning homes. Yeah. And, uh, they, they are into experiences. They are BNBs, you know, hotel. I mean, like so many businesses are getting disrupted because like I was talking to a guy in downtown Toronto, I live in Canada mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of restaurants during the day are closed. Right. So some clever guy figured out I can rent it out to business people who want to rent that space because that's a table. That is a coffee machine and that's an app. You can block the time you want and come and use the restaurant that's just closed anyways. It's crazy. You know, it's so a it's great like, idea, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine the restaurant that was only being used for five hours a day. Now it's getting used 20 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> and the same people who hang out in the morning might hang out for a beer in the evening too. So it's like, yeah. it actually ends up helping the restaurant business. For sure. Yeah. yeah. That's so, fascinating. It's, it's amazing. And, um, and talking about marketing and community, I totally agree with you. I mean, like your podcast is listened, you know, all over the world in 150 countries by what, 60,000 people a month. I mean, imagine for you to get that kind of reach in the old days, how many conferences do you have to, how many planes do you have to get in and out of? Oh, it's incredible, right? I mean, (laughs) we just had our dental success summit here in Scottsdale last week, a week and a half ago. And uh, there was 500 people there and they came from all over the world, all over Europe, all over, um, uh, all over Australia, Canada, United States. There's 500 people. And that was a big show. That was a pretty big show for a private uh, continuing education event. But right. any given day, I mean, my podcast comes up five days a week now. Any given day, we get, you know, three to 5,000 people that listen to it. Like you said, I would have had to travel to, to six big conferences to get in front of that many people. So... So yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that the power of technology nowadays. Right, it's it's amazing, and uh, and and that's the other thing. Like in the old days, you might get a ten percent incremental improvement. Now you get ten x, hundred x. Yeah, that's true. I, I was talking about fans' choice. You know, we literally grew ten times in a span of twenty four months. What I mean is, uh, we were signing up uh, two hundred people a week versus you know two a week, uh, actually a hundred times, uh, in a span of, you know, 24 months. So like the old ideas of how do you grow? Like you grow, you know, 10%, 5%, they're all gone. Yeah. You know, 
but of course you have to think differently you cannot play the same game the same way and expect you know exponential results you have to see the world differently you have to you know look at things differently um let, let's kind of jump back into uh into uh the dental space i know two areas you're, where you are very passionate about is systems right sure and, yeah um, so let's let's one of the two areas let's talk about systems and why do you think it's so important yeah, great question. I, my history, this comes back to a little bit of my history as well. When I graduated from dental school, I worked as a year, for a year, as a dental associate. Um, and what I did was I just, I, I, I considered that my financial residency and also my cl- clinical residency because I, because it took me so long to get into dental school, it took me three years. I burned three years. So I was a little bit uh, behind the rest of the graduates in my class. Um, in age, and uh, I really felt like I had to make up some time. So I, I got out, and instead of doing a residency, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work for a friend of mine who had graduated four years before me. I'm going to build up my speed. I'm going to use his mentorship to fine-tune my clinical ability so that I'd be faster and a better clinician. But at the same time, I counted that as my financial and business residency as well. So when he'd go home at night, I would stay there and I would just learn from the office manager. You know, I learned how to, how to handle insurances and PPOs and billing and all that stuff. I I learned how to, um, and got a better understanding of accounts receivable and aging reports and profit and loss and um, how to confirm an appointment, how the practice management software worked, all that stuff I learned how to do. And then a year later, I started building my, my um, empire, I guess. So the, the first year after that, I bought my first practice. And then within seven years, we owned six dental practices. What I did wrong, and here this comes back to one of those failure moments again, what I did wrong was I was all the systems in all of those practices, right? So I would hire really good people that knew how to run a front desk, knew how to run the back office, knew how to run a hygiene department. And if they would leave, I would have to go back in there and train somebody else to do what the previous person had done. Very, very staff-dependent practices and owner-dependent practices. And when I was running six practices, running around from practice to practice to practice, doing a lot of the dentistry and a lot of the practices, a lot of the advanced procedures, I was working 50 hours a week as a clinician and at least 34, 80 hours a week putting out fires and managing those six practices. They were without a tangible system. They were not systems-based practices. They were owner-based and staff-based practices. So those were the, the bottleneck was me. And I finally figured out that if I was going to have any kind of quality of life, it was going to have to be by having systems-dependent practices rather than staff-dependent practices where we could plug the people in. Everybody in all the practices were doing things the same way, a predictable way, and we can come in and train somebody very, very easily to plug in any hole uh, for any position that, that would arise. And that happens all the time, as everybody knows. Right. Just to give you a, give, give our listeners another example, like um, I'm a big fan of Apple products. So um, like, for example, um, when you get any product from Apple, usually you don't need a scissors, you don't need a knife. Literally there's a tab, you just open it. Right. Yeah. Imagine if the guy who was doing it, assuming Apple is a small company and one guy or one team is doing it and the manager quits 
and the new guy comes in and tries to do it a different way right now you're going to get confused but apple never like once they learn how to do something the best way they don't reinvent the wheel they just let it be mm, you know great example great example yeah i mean now imagine if if you are tim cook running you know selling 200 million iphones and you know maybe another 100 million of other products imagine if you have to now get in, involved and fight fires day in and day you're go, you're going to go crazy yeah. so as you scale you need systems so once you know how to do something the best way just keep doing it don't don't you know like 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 a lot of times what happens is that team member who knows how to do it leaves now you're back to square one you're starting <laughs> all over again yeah you know, the, the key though is documenting that right i mean tim exactly. cook and and apple incorporated figures out the best way to do that they document it all along the way so anybody can come in and do it exactly that way um what i think uh, dentists do small business owners in general right and i'm not i'm not casting stones here because i've made the same mistakes right, right. Um, well you know you figure out a great way to do it it resides in one person's head and that person leaves and you're screwed right, right. document it all you have to do is document it have that smart person's download their brain onto a piece of paper or into a few videos. And then there you go. You have the systems that will last well beyond their tenure with your company. Right. And this mistake I'm sure is like the number one mistake we all make. I've made it a thousand times. Like I learned something and then I forget it and then I learned something and I forget it. And I keep doing it again and again. Yeah. Reinventing the wheel. Like you said, right. Exactly. It's like, Oh, I didn't, I figure out how to do this like three years ago. <laughs> right. Why am I trying to, to come up with the same system again? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right. And uh, yeah, exactly. So now that your mind is free from kind of reinventing the wheel, now it can go and invent new things. You know, right. you and it, it, it allows you to scale too, right? I mean, your company is scaled. You have several different companies that that's run from several different headquarter locations all over the world. So you can scale because once you figure out how it is the most effective, most efficient way to do it, you document that that's that's done that's off your plate now you can scale you can duplicate that as many times as you want to and you can leave that because because it's running on its own and create a new product or service that's right that is the differentiating factor between uh, a small business owner and a titan you know exactly. that you could that you can move on and create completely new businesses because your bandwidth is not stuck on this, your, your original business anymore because it's running itself. Right. I'll give you a practical example. So we have a product called done for me social. So this is where our clients get customized, uh, you know, so they get 20 different social media graphics and it has their logos and their phone numbers. In the old days, we would manually put the phone numbers and the logos. And then some bright guy had the idea, why not automate it? So, because what was happening is the people who are entering these things were making mistakes. Sure. Now it's entered once it's in the software system. The software knows how to customize it. So before the client even picks it, they get a personalized graphic with their logo, with their phone number, with their colors, like shown to them. Um, like this is before they even pick it. Like in the old days, we would have to create it manually and it would take half an hour and somebody makes mistakes and somebody else corrects the mistakes. We would go round and round. It's crazy. Yeah. You know? yep. And uh, right. like you said, now you can scale it. Now what used to be done by five people is done by a software program that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, what and people can't get over is that hump of actually, of actually creating that, right? It's, right. it's, it's front-loaded effort. And right. a lot of people can't get past that front-loaded effort. Of course, it took time to automate that, to, to design the automation for that. 
But once that was created, even if it took, I don't know, months to, to, to figure out how to automate that, it's something that you'll never have to worry about again. Exactly. Because now your hands are free to go and come up with the next big idea that will have the same kind of impact. You know, yeah. as a, and so people should be doing thinking work, not routine work, at least, you know, that's my theory, you know, because yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. Yeah. I mean, God made us creative. You know, he gave us a brain. I mean, he said, you can think when other animals probably cannot. Why not use it? Right. You know, it's, it's amazing. And we think that it's the same way about the onboarding process and the delegation process as well. You know, I, I have great leaders in, in, very high level positions in my organization. And a lot of times I say just what you said that time, uh, let's, let's figure out a way to automate this. Let's, let's take this off your plate so you can do more high level activities. And a lot of times you'll get resistance, right? Oh, it's just going to take too long to figure out or to put, to put an onboarding process together or to train this person. It's just easier if I do it. It only takes me a few seconds a day or a couple minutes a day. But, you know, I'm, I'm always firm about this. If it takes you, you know, a couple weeks to put an automation uh, or a delegation process together, to put the onboarding process together, to teach somebody else how to do this, you only have to do it one time. And then you can remove that task from your life for the rest of your life. Right. So there's always value in taking the time um, and energy to do that. Yeah, I mean, think about Google Maps, right? I mean, yeah, you could spend your time figuring out how to get from point A to point B. Or just <laughs> delegate it to Google Maps and you listen to your music or your Dr. Costas podcast while you're driving, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. you choose. Like, do you want to do things the hard way or do you want to do it the easy way? Yeah. And um, and I think, I think um, it's just a habit, right? Unfortunately, we are creatures of habit. Just because we have been doing something a certain way for the last... 10 years, sometimes we don't stop and think, hey, is that a easier or better way to do it? Yeah, it's so true. So if you're thinking about systemization of a dental office then, and a lot of people are like, gosh, where do I start? I mean, right. I don't even know what, where to begin with this quote unquote systemization thing that you're talking about, Mark. I, I always say just, just kind of close your eyes and take yourself through the, the um, I guess, journey of a patient through your practice, right? So they see an ad or they get referred by an insurance company or a friend. They pick up the phone and they call. So the first system, the first touch point in your office is how you answer the phone, how that phone call is triaged within your, uh, your internal systemization there within, within the, the receptionists or the people answering the phone in, in your practice. And then the next touch point is they're going to walk through the door of your practice and how are they going to be greeted and what's going to happen once they are in your practice? What are the intake forms like that uh, look like? What is that, that process, right? And then when you, when you put them in, into the computer and their insurance information is gathered or whatever your intake process is, they're going to move. The next touch point is from the reception area to the back office. So what does that look like? What does your back office assistants say when they're gathering them from the reception area? How do they walk them to the treatment room? When they sit them down, what does that look like? When they introduce them to the doctor, what does that look and sound like? So if you can go through the journey or the, 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 the steps, that the touch points that the patient will go through um, your office, every touch point, and you systemize that, then you know, it, it could take six months to get that all figured out and documented and everybody on the same page and the scripting the same and the vocabulary and the, the communication the same. But once you do it, 
all you have to do is repeat that process over and over and over again for every single new patient or every patient that comes through your office. That's how the systemization process should work. Right. One of the other things I also notice is people are not clear on what best case looks like. You know, so they're busy, busy, busy doing like, for example, I'll give you an example, answering the phone, right? Mm. Um, so for fun, you know, I'm not an expert like you are, but for fun, you know, we track phone calls and we help our clients. You know, we are a marketing company. We do digital marketing and we make the phone ring. But for fun, sometimes, you know, I listen to calls with the client. And a lot of times you don't need to be a genius to see what's going on. Like the person is getting distracted. You know, she's putting the client on hold. She doesn't call him by the first name. I mean, put yourself in the shoes of the customer. Like, for you to have an amazing experience, how would you like the call to go? You want the person to be totally focused on you. You want them to get to know you, right? Find out what, why you're calling. What's your name? You know, how are you doing? You know, uh, build up on the confidence the person already had because a lot of times they have done the research. They've read, read your reviews. They have seen your awards, right? Uh, but what happens is, the person answering the phone nor the doctor a lot of times sits down for 10 minutes and thinks through what would an amazing call look like? Yeah. And what do I need to do to make this call an amazing? And it's not rocket science. It's not, oh, I need to go, you know, read that book or read this book. It's a lot of times common sense. Yeah. Yeah. Three main sentences that you fall back on. Four questions that you're going to ask to make sure that the, the, the phone call is, an intention, is intentional, you know, the amount of energy that you're going to put behind it. It's very, very simple. Like you said, it's not rocket science. I mean, you can teach somebody the correct way to do this in 20 minutes. Um, and then there's technology out there that's nearly free that will record them and you can just monitor that, them and, and, and listen to them and play it back to them so they, they can self-evaluate and see if they've done it correctly based on the parameters that you already defined. So it's very, very simple to, to get that handled. Right. So I would love for you to come back, uh, Mark. I, I know this is an awesome conversation. Maybe we can do a part two of this, uh, continue talking about systematization as well as, uh, um, you know, other topics where you have tons and tons of experience, both in your practice as well as helping your clients. I would do a part two, three, four, five, ten, as many as you need me. I, I'd be happy to come back. This has been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. If people want to get a hold of you, uh, how can they reach you, Mark? Well, there's a bunch of different ways. I mean, I, we have Dental Success Institute on Instagram. We have the Dental Success Institute on Facebook. That Facebook page is the best way to pose questions to me. And I usually answer the questions either right away via, via you know, Facebook or I will file those away and I'll make an episode out of them and I'll, I'll use any question, any good question as a topic for uh, an episode on the podcast. Or you can email me at info at truedentalsuccess.com. So either Facebook, Dental Success Institute, Instagram, Dental Success Institute, um, listen to me on the Dentalpreneur podcast or email me at info at truedentalsuccess.com. Thanks for asking. Thank you. We'll share all of the information in the, in the call notes. One last question before we wrap up. Why, what inspired you to start the, the podcast, the Dentalpreneur podcast? You know, I, uh, back when podcasts were just starting to get some traction, I was really good friends. I, I do a lot of work in the entrepreneurial space as well. I've, I've had several coaches um, in the entrepreneurial space. And one of my buddies, uh, Michael O'Neill, and uh, one of his friends, John Lee Dumas, were getting a lot of traction for their businesses 
by hosting these things called podcasts. I hadn't even listened to a podcast before them. And then I started listening to theirs and they were getting a ton of traction. They became celebrities in the entrepreneurial world. And they, they encouraged me. They said, hey, look, we'll help you um, put your podcast together. You, you should speak to other business-minded dentists or people that are frustrated with the, the state of their dental practice and make that your theme and have a weekly show. So in the beginning, I was once per week, um, and then it became a two-day-a-week podcast, and now you know some weeks were five or six days a week because we have so much to talk about. I have so many more um, speaking engagements that we record and um, so many great influencers out there that I just need to, I need to pick their brains for, for my sake and for the sake of the audience. So it's just really evolved over the last, geez, a couple, three years now. Um, I was, I think, the fourth dental podcast, the third or fourth. It was uh, The Relentless Dentist with Dave Maloli, um, The Dental Hacks podcast, and I think I was there, one of those few. And Gary, Gary, be there. Yeah, Gary, Gary. Gary Takish was the godfather. He started them all, and then Howard and I. Um, so, so, yeah, we were a handful of the originals. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love the name too. So you kind of are saying, you know, you are entrepreneurs, you're business owners. So start thinking like one, start acting like one. <laughs> yeah, that was the idea. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciate your time. And I really had a wonderful time and hope to see you again. Like you said, let's do more, more of these so we can share, uh, you know, like I don't believe in working hard. You know, if somebody else had figured it out, let's learn from them and, you know, build on I, it. I couldn't agree more, Naren. Thank you so much for, for the time. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Growing Dentist podcast show. If you like the show, please uh, write a review for us on iTunes, share it with your friends on social media. Uh, you can access it from the website, growingdentist.com as well. Um, so have a wonderful day and um, let's, let's uh, toast for an amazing future, a greater future for you and your family and your, and your, and, and your patients. Thank you.